Be seated. I bring greetings from Bainbridge Island, Washington, where I serve as Rector of Grace Church. I've been there for six months, and it's great to be here in the desert where there's lots of sun. We've had lots of rain lately. And I want to thank my dear friend Troy for inviting me to be here today. And I do have a history in this cathedral. Eleven years ago, I sat, I'm going to get emotional, I sat on the second row here with my mother as she was dying. And I was at the lowest point in my life spiritually. And that service, there was something that happened. It was one of those mystical moments when God was very present. And I sat there, and your former music director, Alan, came out and played that piano. And it was just beautiful. And then my good friend Rebecca was your dean, and she preached one of her final sermons here around, about the movie Hotel Rwanda. And as I was contemplating leaving ministry, it refreshed me and gave me hope. And so today is a God wink. It's full circle coming back to see friends that I love and to be with this place that holds a special place in my heart. starting to feel like the holidays, isn't it? I found myself getting filled up with the Christmas spirit last week. It was Saturday, it was raining, it was cold on Bainbridge Island. I went to the other Episcopal Church, St. Barnabas, for a Christmas concert. And I was feeling a little bit like Scrooge going into it, Mr. Bah Bah Humbug. And um, there was a piece of music called Serenity that was so powerful and I had tears coming out of my eyes and from that moment there was a shift of what this season is really about and I just wanted to sing all the time. Merry Christmas. It's good to feel merry. It's good to feel happy. But then I had to think what if you don't? What if you don't feel happy or merry right now? What if life is overwhelming you and it just sucks away that spirit of merry and happy? For me, all I have to do is look around what's going on in the world today. And for me, those merry and happy feelings can just vanish instantly. I mean, think about it. We're on alert after terrorist attacks in Paris, massacre in Southern California. We have a presidential candidate who is saying that he wants to ban anyone who is Muslim coming into the United States. We have thousands of Americans marching every day, protesting police violence against people of color, refugees from Syria, church disputes, gun violence on campuses. Merry Christmas? Really? Happy New Year? Those words describe human feelings that are so very dependent upon circumstances of our lives. Either you feel happy or you don't. Either you feel merry or you don't. 
And as our feelings go, so goes our ability to experience Christmas sometimes. The Christian life, however, is not built upon the ever-changing feelings we experience. Jesus never in the Gospels really just tells us to be happy, be merry. And considering that the world in which he lived was very harsh and very oppressive, and that the people whom he lived were mostly poor, despised, marginalized, and unfairly treated, it would have just been plain wrong to come with a gospel message that echoed Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. It just wouldn't have been right. Jesus never told hurting people to be happy. But, my friends, we are told to rejoice. In today's Hebrew scripture from the prophet Zephaniah, it says, Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughters of Jerusalem. And in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Did you know that that command to rejoice is found 68 times in the New Testament? We are told to rejoice. The Greek word for rejoice is connected to the word which means grace. And I just love that. And grace is that unconditional, unearned, unmerited gift of God's love. Someone has said that it's God's loving us just for the heck of it. Just because God wants to. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. Grace is God's gift, so freely given as God chooses. How is rejoicing different than Mary and being happy? Well, those two are adjectives describing feelings. Get that? Either you have them or you don't have them. But rejoice that we hear over and over is a verb. An action that we can take in the face of life as it really is, however it is. Rejoice always. So my friends, if we understand that rejoicing has something to do with God's grace, perhaps we could define it this way. To rejoice is to find the grace God has placed in life. I guess you could say it like this. To rejoice is to find the joy. And God has literally permeated this world with joy. God's gracious joy is everywhere to be found. And how do we find this joy? Here are a few suggestions. You can find it in your sense of humor. Did you know that? Your sense of humor is a real good gift from God. It's a part of your body's defense mechanism. It's part of your healing system. Researchers tell us that laughter releases what we call joy hormones in our lives. I love that. Laughter can help you sleep better at night. Laughter can reduce the incidence of stress-related illnesses like high blood pressure. Laughter can lessen pain. It can speed up a healing process. Your ability to find humor in the midst of reality is a skill set that God wants all of us to have. 
It reminds me of a time I was doing a graveside service back in Baton Rouge, where I'm from. And as you know, in the south, in the summer, it rains almost every afternoon. And as I was in the middle of saying the words of the committal for Myrtle, for her sister, for, for our sister in Christ's body to the ground, committing her, saying earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, I realized all of a sudden that the ground almost let go, and I began to sink right into the grave. It's the first time I think I almost buried myself. (laughs) The mourners were very concerned. They jumped to my aid. They and the funeral director, who happened to be a longtime friend of my family, pulled me by my alb so that I wouldn't fall in the hole. They had great looks of relief on their face. And after a few moments, the funeral director composed himself and said, Father, you can resume the service. And as I did from behind me, I heard the funeral director let out a little (laughs) chuckle. And I'm looking around at the mourners that day, And I could see that even though they were clearly grieving Mama's death, they were all dying to laugh. (laughs) And all of a sudden, everyone started laughing uncontrollably. And then I had to join in. Years later, I ran into this wonderful son of this woman, and he said, Father Tommy, I just have to let you know that that was the best funeral I have ever attended in my life. And whenever we get together as a family, we talk about it. Ma sure would have loved it. Joy, even in the face of death. Joy's everywhere. And that little humorous moment became part of a healing moment for that grieving family. How's your sense of humor? Think about it. Have you ever considered that humor is a very component, important component in the life of being a Christian? It's another way. Music. For me, it's music. There's so much joy to be found in music. One of the things I love is listening to one of my apps that I love on my iPad and my iPhone called Pandora. Who has? Okay. You don't know what it is. It's an app. You can kind of pick your favorite musician or theme of type of music, and you type it in, and you create your own music channel. So sometimes as a priest, I get pretty overwhelmed with all the illness and the death and sometimes conflict and pain that you might experience as, as a priest. But I've discovered something very interesting. All I have to do when I'm feeling like that, is go into my office, shut the door, turn on my iPad, and turn on Pandora, and I just turn the volume up, and I listen to the songs of my 20s and 30s as it pound forth, especially like a prayer by Madonna, and I find joy. I find joy in Madonna. Not the mother of our lords, but the other... You know what? It does something for me. It really does. 
And the joy of that music that I love, it just lifts my spirits. And by the time I get back to church work, I'm ready to be a priest again. God has a place for joy in music. What are the songs that touch you? Think about it. Have you listened to them lately? What is a song that if you had a convertible here in the desert, you'd put the top down and just go and crank it up? What are the tunes, the hymns, the classical works that contain joy for you? If you want a suggestion that can lead you to find joy in the middle of the day this week, let me suggest first that you all turn off talk radio, turn off the news channels, because I think that those things just rile us all up. So you know what you can do is turn your car radio to 99.9 KEZ here in Phoenix. Right now it's playing Christmas music all of the time. And you might be able to find some quiet in your spirit and bring yourself some joy. The other thing that contains joy in our life are memories. Think about what it's like to look through old photographs of our family members watching videos, telling family stories, that can lead to joy. Nature is filled with joy. You live in a beautiful place. Get up and drink in the sunrise in this desert. Drive up to Camelback, like I did yesterday, or in my past up to Sedona, and experience the beauty of God's creation and the rocks. Step out at night here and look at the beautiful stars that are in the heavens in this valley. Joy is everywhere, my friends. God has graciously permeated this world with joy. Rejoice. Find joy in life. It's a Christian discipline that should rank right up there with prayer. Rejoice. But the most important kind of rejoicing that we can do is to rejoice in the Lord. The greatest joy of all the joy that you will ever find is in Jesus. I had a conversation with a parishioner this week, and we talked about the fact that when the harsh realities of life come our way, whether they have to do with our own personal losses or more global tragedies, things like war, poverty, injustice, what we don't need is just to put on a happy face and pretend that everything's going to be okay. Like in the musical, the Book of Mormon, turn it off like a light switch. We don't need easy answers that will just gloss over life's most complicated questions. We don't need some way to explain it all away. What we need in this challenging world that we live in is not a happy or merry feeling to mask over our sorrow. What we need is a Savior. We need a Savior We need someone who can help us find our way through the hard times. Like when I sat on that second row where you're sitting. We need a friend who can help us in those dark nights of the soul when we can't sleep or those difficult days. We need a partner, a savior who can help us find the resources we need to make it through to the other side of whatever we're going through. And most especially, most especially, we need a redeemer who we can trust to transform our sorrows into joy and even death 
into resurrection. From the night of his birth to the day of his resurrection, people like you and me have found joy in Jesus. As the Advent prophet Isaiah writes, the Messiah will be sent to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to comfort all who mourn, and bestow upon them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did among people like you and me? St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Rejoice. That's why we light this pink candle today on this Advent wreath to remind us that true joy is to be found in the one whose coming we await. And that's why I invite you, every single one of you here today, to open your heart to Jesus and become part of what our new presiding bishop keeps on saying, be part of that Jesus movement. Study his life. Learn his teachings. Follow his way. Tell him your secrets. Share with him your sorrow. Invite him to live in your heart and to walk with you every single day. In other words, rejoice in the Lord.